Kalimarhaba, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of Sesta and Island Talks podcast. This is Meltem calling from extremely warm Famagusta. The sixth episode is a very special episode dedicated to Pride since June is the International Pride Month. Pride events mostly occur in June for honoring Stonewall riots, which took place on 28th of June 1969. Stonewall riots were a response to police raids of Stonewall Inn, a gay club in New York. Today's program is meant to show solidarity with the LGBTQIA community in Cyprus and all around the globe. During the special episode, we will be talking about LGBTQIA inclusion in a divided country ahead of the first intercommunal Cyprus Pride, which will take place on 18th of June at 6 pm. The march will begin at Kulu Park in North Nicosia and at Elefteria Square in South Nicosia, and the two groups will eventually meet at Ledra Palace. To celebrate such a historical happening, I'm hosting two inspirational souls today, namely Diego Aparicio and Armando Maggio. Diego Aparicio, using gender pronouns he, him, his, is the founder and artistic director of Queer Wave, the Cyprus LGBTQIA film festival. Queer Wave had its inaugural edition online in August 2020, followed by a 10-day physical edition in September 2021. Diego was one of the 20 finalists worldwide shortlisted for the 2021 Commonwealth Youth Awards amongst 1,000 nominees from 43 countries. He served as an official jury member for Giornate degli Autori at the Venice International Film Festival in 2018 and has assisted the Giornate as pre-selector in their past three editions. He was also part of the selection panel for the 2022 Lux Audience Award presented jointly by the European Parliament and the European Film Academy. Diego's credits as production assistant include four international co-productions, two of which premiered at the Cannes Critics Week and Carlo Vivari. He graduated with a physics degree from Imperial College London in 2016. After studying environmental engineering bachelor's at Anadolu University, Armando Majid, using gender pronouns they, them, theirs, returned to Cyprus in 2013 and completed a Master of Science degree in Sustainable Energy Systems at Frederick University and an MPhil Atmospheric Sciences at the Cyprus Institute. Currently, Armand is doing their PhD at the University of Cyprus on Gender Studies. During their studies, Armand worked as a research assistant in the Committee on Missing Persons in Cyprus. Afterwards, Armand worked as a project coordinator at the Union of the Chambers of Cyprus Turkish Engineers, as a project assistant, and later as a project coordinator at Queer Cyprus Association. Alongside their PhD, Armand is working as an LGBTQI plus rights program coordinator at the Human Rights Platform. Erman has nearly 10 years of LGBTQIA plus activism experience. They defend the intersectionality of the struggle in areas such as veganism, anti-militarism, feminism, ecology, and LGBTQIA plus activism. Dear Erman, dear Diego, thank you very much for making time today. It is such a pleasure to host you both at SESTA. Pleasure for us to be here. Thank you, Meltem. Thank you, Meltem, for inviting us, and we are excited to be here. 
Perfect. Me too. So with no further ado, I'd like to start posing my questions. Let's start with you, dear Adman. Of course, June is the International Pride Month and it is an occasion to celebrate equality. Historically seen, it is also an occasion to demand equality and to march for equality. We know sadly that equality is something yet to be achieved on both sides of Cyprus as many LGBTQIA plus individuals and groups still face discrimination in many spheres of life. As a person who works with an intersectional approach, how do you think the intractable conflict in Cyprus supports or even feeds the discrimination of the LGBTQIA plus community in the island? Very good question, Nota. I'll try to answer, but it's a really tough question because, um, as we know, Cyprus is, a, the, is the major, Cyprus problem is the major uh, problem for everyone living in the island and in daily life basis. It's all around the negotiation problems and the main focus is around the property that will be given or the who will be in charge of the authorities and this kind of issues. So when it comes to LGBTI rights, human rights and any other uh, rights, um, these are not prioritized. And mostly the argument is like once we solve the Cyprus problem, we will then talk about LGBTI rights, women rights, um, disability rights or animal rights. So when, when there is so much focus on the negotiations by the leaders and then they believe that one day everything will be sold. It even makes things harder to talk about LGBTI rights. But um, as an activist, uh, we always are here to remind people that there will be no struggle separated. We should all um, um, fight together and uh, jointly, I mean, and it should be intersectional. Um, because, for example, the day that there will be intercommunal pride, in the morning there will be also Saving Akamas uh, March. So there will be no meaning of the pride if we don't have any, you know, sustainable ecology. Or there will be no such a island united if people will be still being discriminated. So these issues are interconnected. And um, we believe that on the table, it should be also uh, discussed by the grassroots organizations that we should come together and then we should have our say on the table. And it shouldn't be amongst um, two leaders um, to discuss this issue. Um, this is what I can say in summary. Uh, indeed, uh, peace uh, should be intersectional, uh, dear Erman, like you have explained, and grassroots organizations play a pivotal role in the construction of peace and in making sure that peace incorporates a rights-based approach. I would like to talk about the top-down measures a bit, because I think they're also important. And it goes without saying that effective regulation and policies play a pivotal role in debunking the dominant heteronormative cultural codes and meanings. Could you please inform us, dear Erman, um, what top-down measures still need to be taken to prevent the discrimination of the LGBTQIA plus communities in Cyprus? Um, okay, because there are like two separate um, authorities uh, in the uh, in in the island, um, we can talk them maybe separately, even though they are interconnected. There are um, different um, regulations that are in in charge, and as we know, the controlled areas are already um, are having effective control by the uh, Republic of Cyprus, and uh, also EU has an effective control in there. Where in the northern part, we are, we don't have any international mechanism. Um, like monitoring or having an effective, um, like pressure on the authorities. 
Um, but in general, I mean, what we need as LGBTI communities to have an anti-discrimination um, legal text um, that also the the sexual comprehensive sexual education should be in the schools. Um, people should know the gender diversity or sexual orientation. They should learn at school. So no um, bullying policies. Um, as well as legal gender uh, recognition uh, regulations are really important. They should base on the people's testimony and people should not go further um, with a, a kind of test that they are questioning people's gender identity or they are forcing them to have surgeries um, in order to be legally recognized. So these are things that should be changed. Um, we know for the Republic of Cyprus, there is civil partnership um, recognized, but it doesn't include adoption. And also there is no marriage equality. So when we talk about um, equality, uh, people tend to think about gay marriage, but it's not about gay marriage. Equal um, Marriage is given to the heterosexual couples or couples that are in the opposite um, sex defined by legally. And this is not given to the same sex couples. So this is discrimination and it should be defined for everyone who wants to have marriage. So we call it marriage equality, not gay marriage. Um, it shouldn't prevent anyone um, to have this right. Um, apart from that, um, there are many surgeries uh, that are being done for the intersex babies. Um, they are having unnecessary medical intervention just for the societal expectations or norms. And so this should be prevented by the regulations that people shouldn't be forced, um, their babies shouldn't be uh, interfered. This is the violation of the rights of privacy and body integrity, of course. Um, as well as there needs to be hate speech um, regulation is out there, but in practice, um, police is not doing effective um, investigation and further investigation to give penalties. But of course, penalty is not only uh, a solution. We should create more awareness and th that there comes the education. Um, these are what I can say more or less. But as you said, of course, I mean, top-down measures are really important. Uh, I have emphasis on the grassroots organizations as an activist, but then I mean our rights are given uh, by the authorities when we demand them. And then, then these authorities should have their, um, you know, say, and they, are, they should use their power to prevent discrimination and provide equality in that sense to give the right message to whole communities living in the island. Yes, indeed. And um, like you have explained, uh, grassroots organizations play a pivotal role. Top-down uh, measures play a pivotal role. They should actually work together. But we should always remember that um, one of the greatest instruments to debunk heteronormativity um, is arts. So as well as grassroots organizations and as well as top-down measures, we need active arts uh, in order to bring about cultural change because we know that top-down measures, for instance, by themselves would never be effective to bring about sustainable cultural change. These are not mutually exclusive to each other, but these, like you have uh, perfectly explained, they should collaborate with each other and they should be incorporated into the construction of a sustainable peace in Cyprus. And uh, I would like to... Um, I'm interested in learning Diego's perspective with that meta because um, we will talk about queer wave soon. But uh, my first question uh, to you, dear Diego, given your uh, background, is that 
To what extent do you think cinema is a powerful tool for establishing inclusive cultures? Well, um, I think that's a really broad question. So let's see how we can uh, try and break it down a little bit. I think, you know, I first realized the power of cinema when at age 17, I kind of walked into this festival that was screening um, art house films. This was in Limassol. I was in the closet back then. And I just remember that was my first public screening watching Xavier Dolan's um, Heartbeats. So this was the first official sort of queer film I watched in public with an audience. And other films I watched at the same festival were Tomboy by Celine Chama and also uh, Loose Cannons, an Italian film. Um, and I just, you know, I, I keep coming back to that, those memories um, and the impact they had in feeling that I was part of something that was much bigger than, than Cyprus, than the oppression I was feeling, um, a community that was international. You know, these were films for, from Canada, Italy, France, um, and they represented something global, something universal. And I think this, is the kind of feeling that later on grew into a passion and a love for cinema. So despite my studies in physics, um, I returned to that love and, and decided to start Queer Wave. Um, and I know that's a little bit of a, of a quick recap on how it all happened, but you know, <laughs> I'm happy for follow up questions. No, that's, uh, that's perfectly fine because I'm pretty sure all those participants to Queer Way, once they watch those films, they also felt part of, uh, being part of something that is bigger than Cyprus, being part of a community that is global, that is universal. And maybe, um, in a certain way, that's the response to my, uh, next question, but I still would like to ask you that, um, because I'm interested in your observations. So Queer Wave is a very young festival. I mean, it started as an online festival in August 2020. The first physical edition took place last year. Um, so what do you think has been the role of Queer Wave in constructing an inclusive culture and society in Cyprus? I mean, what kind of differences in attitudes have you observed, if you have observed any? And could you please also tell us when and where the festival will take place this year? Oof, absolutely. So, I mean, this is where my physics, physics brain, uh, kind of tells me, you know, sometimes, um, causality and correlation are not the same thing. So it's hard for me to say, you know, queer wave happened and therefore these other queer initiatives started happening because that could be a correlation, but it might not have the direct causal effect. Um, I'm going to be ha very humble about this and say, I don't know the real extent to which queer wave has impacted other people's lives. But what I have seen um, during the festival is that people really engaged with it. 
and we had some really, really wonderful feedback um, after a survey we did uh, following the second edition, which was the physical one. Uh, people telling us, you know, their faith in Cyprus was restored <laughs> or, you know, that they saw a future for the queer community in the island um, and that they they thought the festival was able to kind of bridge a gap that was reintroduced between North and South because of the measures during COVID. And um, I don't know, I just think, you know, as a festival, we've, we've, been very aware since the first edition that this should be about the broader community uh, on the island. And uh, we were very lucky to have Queer Cyprus Association backing us uh, in both editions. And we really hope to grow that collaboration further. Which brings me to your last question. Um, when is further? <laughs> Our third edition is coming up in autumn this year, in 2022. Uh, regrettably, perhaps for our listeners, the final dates have not yet, yet been decided. And that's mainly due to um, funding grants and the dates by which different funders give us the green light I think it's really important to stress that Queer Wave is also a grassroots initiative. And as we all know, it's, it's really hard to predict the sustainability and, you know, the ease of progress, let alone, you know, development in the early days. Um, but we're really, really optimistic about everything. And I think no matter what, um, the responses are this year from funders. There are ways of keeping the festival alive, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Yes, I mean, uh, I personally really loved the festival last year, and I would like to maybe ask Erman, what were your impressions of the festival? Um, I think Diego is being really humble about the festival. I think it was really amazing, and as as uh, he said, it's has, it, it has correlations and causalities. Uh, I, I mean, for me, the great experience was sitting in a room with many, like, many people from different backgrounds. I mean, in terms of gender, uh, expression, uh, like ethnicity, age group, um, or profession. And it wasn't only just the festival. It, it was beyond that. I mean, the breaks, uh, we were outside chatting. We were talking about our dreams about Cyprus or how the COVID affected us. So it wasn't just like screening and discussion. Of course, it was the, what was promised in the beginning, but it was beyond that. And, um, we saw people after years later and we hugged each other and, you know, um, and one thing is that that showed to us, I think, that art unites. So, like coming together with a common interest um, from, as I said, different backgrounds, and knowing that differences doesn't prevent you to be together or unite the island. And there, our like, this is our beauty to be different and to be together and work together. And this, I think, festival just proved that again. And I believe from that there, we had new friendships or new networks. And that is, I think, helping us to move on. So it helped in terms of the motivation as well. Um, and yeah, we will continue to 
fight together against discrimination and uniting the island. Indeed, and one thing which you said really touched me, to be honest, Erman, um, our beauty is to be different. And in my humble opinion, that is the basis of an inclusive society. And this brings me to my final question. How do you both define, I mean, we've been talking about inclusivity, equality, but how do, how do you actually define what is an inclusive society? I think we could ponder on this kind of question for ages and ages, but the truth perhaps lies in simplicity. And I think an inclusive society is one where you have the freedom to be whoever you want to be. It's really difficult question, Meltem. <laughs> I would like to say that. Uh, what I can say, just like very basic, and I think defining it would be even just make it like it's a simple thing to answer. So that's why I'm trying to avoid answering it because I don't think there is a simple answer to this question. And I think that's the part of the inclusivity. It's a complex thing. So it's ongoing complex thing that we should acknowledge and we cannot have a, you know, prescription to inclusivity or anything. It, it would be difficult, you know, but there could be some like principles as Diego said, and we can count them. I mean, it, and what is important is to always hear the, the marginals, like because the center in general, have already their voices, and this can apply to anything. It doesn't have to be LGBTI rights. It can be animals' rights, women's rights, disability rights, any rights or any any issue. I think we need to hear the marginals. We need to um, listen uh, the subjects of the topic. I mean, who is speaking, and we need to listen before judging. And then I think we can move on from there. And all. I mean, you know, this tolerance and all these words that are being used when we talk about these issues, they have their own problems in terms of like people believing that in societies that they are the powerful ones, like a heterosexual tolerating gay person, like who gave you the right, you know, <laughs> to tolerate me or why do I need your tolerance? I mean, so there, of course, needs to be basic principles that says like everyone needs to be equal and we need to work towards that. And it shouldn't be the individual's, you know, um, initiative to tolerate me. So in that sense, as you said in the beginning, right-based approach or this kind of things helps, I think that this is a right and this is about equality. And from there we can move on. But I think this is a, like, as Diego said, it's a, like, for an ages panel discussion question. But yeah, join the pride and you will just get the taste how an inclusive society could be. And this could be my shortest answer to this. <laughs> Indeed, Arman, and I think we have a whole life to think and contemplate on that. Um, so, dear Arman, dear Diego, çok teşekkürler, Efharisto Baraboli, muchas gracias. Thank you very much for making time today. I am looking forward to participating to the first intercommunal Cyprus Pride on 18th of June. Dear listeners, for more information on the upcoming Cyprus Pride, 
please visit the social media pages of different civil society organizations like Queer Cyprus Association, Queer Collective Cyprus, or Human Rights Platform. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to like, comment, or share this sixth episode of Sesta Pride Special and Island Talks, and follow us on social media. Stay healthy, stay with peace, and stay tuned. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.